Last week we started by looking at holiness and kind of uh, going from Scripture to see what holiness is, see how, holy, see how the Bible defines holiness within its context. And it really is an interesting, an interesting study to kind of look at these words uh, that, that holiness, there's a root word for holy, and then a lot of other words that kind of play off of that word and build off of that word. And so holiness is really an interesting topic and an interesting word. It almost defines itself, um, and you can't, it's like the word beauty. I, I, so as I think about what is beautiful or what is good, it's like, how do you define those things? There's such difficult words to define because you just look at something and you just know that it's beautiful. And what does beautiful mean? It's got these characteristics that we really like or something, or is there something more. Um, so, you know, it's one of those words that's hard to define. But scripture uh, bears out uh, kind of a good definition, I think, for us. And, and I think as we look and consider holiness, we're going to add a little bit more to the idea of what it means to be holy and how then we can be holy and how it impacts us. And so today I want us to be challenged uh, kind of as we go out the doors, as we go through the week, as we live our lives. The challenge in our minds is this, is that I want us to be challenged to live a life, each one of us, to really think about our lives, what it means, you know, this big question, what is life, what does it mean? So be challenged to live a life that is unique and distinct from everyone else around you, so that God's name will be made holy. So in other words, we're not going to live like the world. We're not going to do things like the world. We're going to do things differently. We're going to do things God's way. And it's going to be very obvious. And God's name, when people see us, God's name will be honored. God's name will be reverenced. God's name will be held up above all other names. That is linked to what it means when we say we are to be holy. So this idea of holy, this is the definition that I set forth last week, is to be set apart from common things to serve God's purpose. So, and one of the examples I have in my mind that I always come back to is like a, a utensil that was used in the temple or in the sanctuary. Those utensils, anything that was set apart from common ordinary things and it was to be used in the temple, it had a specific purpose. It was no longer a common thing. You know, something to stoke the fire at the temple was not just a common stoker. You didn't just get a stick. It was set apart. It was an ho a holy object. So it was set apart from common use to serve God's purpose. The temple itself is temple. Uh, it means house. Um, it was so the idea of God's temple. It wasn't just any ordinary house. It was God's temple, God's house, tabernacle. It just meant tent, but it was God's tent. And that's why it was holy. It was set apart from other objects. Last week we considered God's mountain. The mountain of God that Moses came to and was told to take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. That was God's mountain. It was separate and distinct. It was special from all the other mountains because it was 
God's mountain, it was going to serve his purpose. So this idea of being set apart means that something then is special, it's unique. And so you can see why today that we're going to be adding the word distinct. And God's, we're using that, we're going to use that word because God's word uses that word in connection with holiness. So let us uh, continue on. We're going to see, if we, if we think about holy, um, if I, well, if, if I think about uh, talking about words, beautiful, good, you know, how do you define those words? Well, I would start with just saying God <laughs> defines those words. God defines what is good. God what defines what is beautiful. He is the one that sets that. He is that. There is none good but God alone. He determines what is good. So this idea of holiness has that same kind of connection. What is holiness? Well, God is holy, right? So whatever God is, that's holy. And you think about God. He is the one that exhibits this in the greatest way. He is set apart from everything else. God is unique, God is special, and he serves his purpose 100%. We fail when we try to serve God's purpose, but God never fails to serve his own purpose. He is perfectly set apart from everything that is common and normal, and uh, he serves his will, his purpose. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, and we're going to see Scripture declare this very thing, that God is holy, which we know to be true. Isaiah 6, verse number 1 begins, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted. You know, this is unique, right? With the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called out to the other, these seraphim, they were crying out to each other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So what we see here is this, this thing where, you know, when these creatures are crying out to, to one another and they do this day and night and it's repeated in Revelation, that's what these creatures do. They cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the God of the heavens, the God of everything. He is holy. That Using the word three times, three is a, is a picture of perfection or completeness. God is perfectly holy. He is completely holy. He defines holiness, doesn't he? God is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So when you think about this, he, he fits very well, this very simple definition. He's set apart from everything that's common, all the normal things around us uh, to serve God's purpose. And his, the, this, the fact that this whole earth is, is full of his glory, it kind of, the, the earth, even though we see these things and we know they're just normal everyday things as we go through life, they point to something bigger and beyond us. They point to the Holy One who is set apart from this, who is above this. Remember, the throne was, was in, he was enthroned above everything in that verse. All right, so let's go ahead. As we consider this God who is holy, let's think about what that means for us then. All right, if God is holy, he defines holiness, what does that mean for us? 
Leviticus 10. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles because we're going to stay here for a few minutes. Uh, Leviticus chapter 10. This is going to be a familiar passage because it is uh, one of those passages in Scripture that you're like, oh, wow. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) It gets your attention, right? And this is part of um, God. The book of Exodus has already taken place. God has delivered his law. Now he's... He's giving more instruction that is specifically for the Levites. That's why it's called Leviticus. The ones who are going to be operating, taking care of the everyday operations of uh, the tabernacle and the things there. A lot of instruction for the priest. We had Aaron is declared to be the high priest. And then he has two sons, Nadab and Abihu. And they have been installed as priests, dedicated as priests. They are holy and set apart. To be the priest and take care of the things at the temple, in particular the sacrifices. Verse number 1 of Leviticus 10. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. Now, this is a weird passage. We don't know exactly in our minds what this would look like. At least I don't. But the one thing that is clear, they're doing something that God had not instructed them to do. Very clear. Incense was to be a part of what was uh, taking place, as God had had declared. Fire was going to be a part of of taking care of sacrifices, right? You have to have fire to, to burn sacrifices. But here, they're doing something strange, something different that had not been instructed by God. And if you read through Exodus in the beginning of Leviticus, his instructions are very clear and very detailed. They did something different. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people, I will be honored. So Aaron, therefore, kept silent. Now, as I think about this, you read that whole context of what was happening, uh, the tabernacle, whatever they were doing was at the at the entrance to the tabernacle, into the holy place, and then the holy of holies, the the tent with the two different uh, sections. And they must have been right outside of that, that tent, and fire came out from that tent, is what I picture in my mind. And it consumed them, it killed them. Because whatever they were doing with that incense and that strange fire, it had not been commanded by God. And we learn very clearly as we highlight in uh, verse number 3, it says, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. So we learn, we already, we already know that, well, God is holy, right? And the scene I depicted later with Isaiah, that's, that's much later on, but these people knew God is holy. And if you're going to come near me, you will treat me as holy. The Lord is holy. The Lord will be treated as holy. He demands it. And if you don't do it, Nadab and Abihu serve as this example of 
What happens if you don't treat God as holy? He will be treated as holy. So let's look at Leviticus um, chapter 10, uh, verses 8 through 10 now. We're going to skip just a little bit here. They weren't even to... Uh, they weren't even to mourn. The, the priests weren't. They could let the people mourn. Um, and so this is another way in which, you know, it, I'm skipping past that, but still you can look at it in terms of holiness. God was like, you're not going to, to mourn over something, whatever the situation is, however God looks at it. He wasn't going to let them do a particular thing that they normally would do. People died, and he's saying, don't, don't rip your clothes, don't, uh, don't, don't start mourning and weeping. Um, but let the, you can let the people do that. So we got to treat him as holy. Leviticus, verses, starting now in verse number 8 of chapter 10. The Lord then spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine. And this is still connected with this whole, whole passage of what happened. As you're going to see here, it's, it's connected. Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons with you, when you come into the tent of meeting, so that you will not die. It is a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane, and between the unclean and the clean. So now here is the phrase that we need to, to look at. In, the, in terms of God, you know, this, the sole thought is God saying, if you come, if you approach me, you're going to come near me. You've got to do things like I say. You're not going to treat me uh, as unholy. Anybody who comes near me will treat me as holy. And you have to do, be careful to do this. Do what he says so that you make a distinction between the holy and the profane. A distinction between the holy and profane. So... We would kind of look at this. We know that holy is to means to be set apart from that which is common, right? And I talked about this tabernacle thing that we're seeing in this passage is that when you're dealing with the tabernacle, that's holy stuff. You better treat it as holy. It's special. It's set apart from everything that's common. And this verse talks about the same thing. I would, I would ask you, so well, how do you define profane then? If you want to distinguish between the holy and the profane, your mind might go to a word connected with profane that we use today. We don't really say profane much, do we? But we say profanity, right? Don't use that profanity, right? Um, you guys know that word? You've heard that word before? All right. Well, you, if we say profanity, that's connected with somebody's language that just is not to be used. Um. We shouldn't talk with profanity. It's bad language. It's, it's language that is appalling, that people don't accept, that we shouldn't say. Words that are gross or however you want to say They're profane. Well, the use we're using nowadays is a little bit different. Profanity doesn't necessarily have to mean something that is evil or bad. It is just something that is common. Just something that's common. So when you use profanity, you're just talking like everybody else would. That's a, and that's kind of true nowadays, isn't it? When people use some very gross profanity and we hear 
people saying, taking God's name in the name of Christ in vain all the time. I heard Christ's name taken three times yesterday. Um, and it's, that's just how p- common people talk. But not God's people who are holy, right? So this idea of profane, keep in mind, instead of thinking of it as being evil or gross or just terrible language or action, just think of profane as that which is common. When you look at scripture, when it calls something profane, it's just something that's common, normal. It's not a God thing. It's not something that is holy. There is a distinction between the holy, God's things, and the profane, which doesn't mean necessarily evil, but just not God things. All right, so a couple of examples on this really quickly. First Samuel, and I'm, I'm using, I didn't reference the, the Hebrew word that's used here for profane, uh, but there is a specific word that we're looking up. And so this word for profane could be translated common or ordinary as it is in these passages. So when we're, and keep in mind, we're talking about, there, you've got to keep a distinction between the holy and the profane. The holy and the common. Here's some uses of that word for common or for profane. The priest answered David and said, There is no ordinary bread on hand, but there is consecrated bread. So David and his men were hungry. They needed something to eat. And this guy was saying, hey, there's no, co- there's no ordinary bread. There's no common bread. But hey, we have some. Remember, in the, there was a table of the showbread was in the temple. There was some holy bread. It was not common bread. That doesn't mean that all other bread is evil, right? It doesn't mean that every other bread is bad, morally speaking. It's just normal and common. We eat common bread, but the bread that's in the tabernacle, that is the consecrated, which means holy. You see the word consecrated means holy bread. There's no profane bread, but we do have holy bread. He continues uh, going on. Then David answered, and the, the question was, are your men, uh, I'll back up a second here, if only the young men have kept themselves from women. So there's kind of this, if you're, are, your, are your men separated from common? And again, women aren't evil, but they're, the idea of separation being set apart for God for a purpose. And David answered the priest and said to him, surely women have been kept from us as previously when I set out and the vessels of the young men were holy, though it was an ordinary journey. So here again is a distinction between the holy and the ordinary, the holy versus the profane. This journey could have been translated here, though it was a profane journey. Oh, you're on an evil journey. No, I didn't say evil. It's just a profane journey. It's, it's common. It's ordinary. We've got to have this right mindset with the idea of holy versus profane. It's not necessarily always saying where our minds typically jump to is that holy means, oh, that we're morally upright and good and everything. And that if you're profane, that means you're just evil and your mind's in the gutter and you're, you know, you're a heathen. And, you know, that's not necessarily all that goes along with it. Those things can be true and are true, but in the general sense, it is just holy is set apart for God, and profane just means ordinary, everyday stuff. 
Now let's do another one. Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 15. Um, this is in a, a discussion of, of the building of a, of a city that God is talking about here. And it says the remainder of 5,000 cubits in width and 25,000 in length, this is talking about land, shall be for profane use for the city, common use for the city, for dwellings and for open spaces, and the city shall be in its midst. So, hey, there's common area, but then within that is holy space. So, common versus that which is holy, set apart for God. You know, this land just being described wasn't evil land. It was just common space that was to be used for ordinary dwellings for open spaces. So, the definition, I hope, is in your mind right, right now. The profane is that which is common, and holy is that which is set apart from the profane to serve God's purpose. So in terms of the temple, you could take a fork. If you make it holy, consecrate it for the temple. It's used in the temple. If you take it somewhere else and uh, use it at home, then it is a profane fork. The purpose and what God calls it to be is what is important, how it's used. Make a distinction. So we go back as we now start thinking about Leviticus 10 again. Nadab and Abihu. You with me now? Nadab and Abihu. By not following what the Lord had instructed, Nadab and Abihu treated God as common. Not as holy. And as a result, they died. Think about this. This It's, it's so, uh, I, I hope this is getting communicated. This is one of those, I, I feel like I'm losing people here a little bit now because, I don't know, maybe I've lost myself a little bit. It's, so, it's such a simple concept. But with Nadab and Abihu, you know, when they went into God and they said, you know what, God said do this, but blah, we're going to do it like we want. How are they treating him? Is he held up here as holy and set apart? He is the holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts? Or are they saying, hey, we think we can do, be do better? They've actually elevated themselves to God. They don't treat God as holy. They're kind of treating themselves as holy. They're setting themselves apart. Because they think they have the better way. So this concept is, it's very simple. They were not treating God as holy. They are just treating him as common. We'll do what we want. God said do this, but I will do what we want. You cannot do that or you die. The garden, did they treat God as holy? No, they treated themselves as holy. They, they set apart themselves. They treated God as common. They elevated the, the word of the snake. They wanted to elevate themselves. They did not treat God as holy. They treated God as common. All right, let's move on. Leviticus chapter 20, uh, verses 1 through 3. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also say to the sons of Israel... Any man from among the sons of Israel or from the aliens sojourning in Israel who gives any of his offspring to Molech, 
a foreign god, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will also set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given some of his offspring to Molech so as to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. So here is the warning, people, as you go out and you start living for me, and you're to be, remember last week, we see, God called them to be a holy nation, set apart. But now if that holy nation starts serving other gods, like they were, he's warning about here, if you start serving other gods, then there will be a problem with that because you profane my holy name. So if God's people start serving other gods, they're again treating God as a common God, just like every other God. And that's not how we're to treat God. The Lord God is perfectly holy. He defines holiness. He must be treated as holy. If other so-called gods are treated as holy and they start serving other gods, or if we start serving other gods... We make those gods out to be equal with the Lord God, and the Lord God is lowered to being equal with other gods who are no, really no gods. So we're really saying that God is no God. The Lord is profaned. He is made common. And he will be viewed from others, outsiders, people around us, he will be viewed like all other gods. And that's, in fact, how we would be viewing him. He's just like all other gods. They're equal. And the name of God, then, is profaned. It is made common. God's people under that old law, if there was anything, the intent of that law was to make God, his name, holy. There is one nation to show that there is one holy God, the one true God. And by, just, by not doing things God's way, they profaned his holy name. They made his name just like any other name of any other God. So, the lesson, the point of this is, is that it was possible to profane the name the holy name of the Lord. A holy name set apart, muddied up, and made common just with everything else. But his name can also be made holy. So holy and profane. The set apart for God's purpose or just common? That's what's in balance here and we're trying to figure out. We've got to work to make God's name holy. Leviticus 22, still talking to these Hebrews. So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. You shall not profane my holy name, but will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Keep my commandments and do them. Those things, they mean the same thing, right? But it's like 
Listen. Listen and do. It's the same thing Jesus said. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them. You got to hear it. You got to do it. You got to keep these things. See, listen, he says, so, so you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. I'm the Holy One. You shall not profane my holy name. Keep my name holy. Don't make it common. When you defy me, when you don't do things as I have said, you profane my name. You just make it common. God's name is to be held above every name. Not profane, but holy. There is a distinction that is to be made. Nadab and Abihu missed it and they died. So the warning is already there for us. The warning for us is in our lives, are we treating God as holy or not? If we're not treating Him as holy, if we're not making His name holy, then we're making God's name common. We're profaning His name. He says, but I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I will be. He made sure of it with Nadab and Abihu, right? And that idea of sanctified, are you starting to catch this? You know what that means? Just simply made holy. Made holy. I will be made holy. My name will be made holy among the sons of Israel. I will be. It's kind of a threat, kind of a warning, isn't it? If you're not doing it, they're thinking about Nadab and Abihu. He wasn't made holy with them. Look what happened to them. So I think now we understand a little bit what it means to have the fear of the Lord, right? God demands that he be treated as holy. And here we are as common people. You know, don't we think of ourselves as common? We're just ordinary people. Ordinary, common. We're profane. Man, that's weird to say it like that, isn't it? And God says, you need to be sanctifying my name. You need to make me holy. So you need to be holy, for I am holy. But look at these. He, he, says, he tells him, by obeying, that you can make my name holy. By obeying, Israel did not profane the Lord's holy name. By obeying, the Lord was made holy among them. Obedience is so important because our obedience kind of reflects upon God, doesn't it? If the Israelites didn't treat him as holy, then God's holy name was profaned among the nations. And he had called them to be a holy nation. And God calls us. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours, in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Obedient children, be obedient. Not conforming to lust, be obedient. Be holy. And thus we shall make God's name holy. If we aren't obedient, if we just conform to the the ways of common people, then God will be not will not be made holy. And the question is for us is do you treat God as holy? I have this 
written towards the end here. Do you treat God as holy? He demands that he be treated as holy. So does our life show a distinction between the holy and the profane? Everyday common people versus us. Is there a difference? Is God evident in our life or not? Do you look more like Jesus or everyone else? And if you claim to be a Christian, but really are not distinguishable from those who are without Christ, then the Lord's name is profaned. It's made common. If we who carry his name just act like everybody else, then his name is made just like everybody else's name. There is a distinction between the holy and the profane. And the distinction is more than just not doing the bad things. It is being something because God has called us to a purpose. Remember, we're set apart for a purpose. So what is that purpose? Let us be set apart from common people and learn to serve and live to serve God's purpose in our lives. So that his name will be exalted, will be held up, it will be honored, it will be holy. And let us be set apart from others. Let's just begin. If you don't know where to begin, just begin by love. Love like Jesus loved. Be set apart from other people because you love others. Even the ones who are hard to love, you love them because that's what Jesus does. Let us love like Christ. You shall be holy for I am holy. Let us set apart godly things. Let us uphold the scripture and honor it and keep it and read it because other people don't. And we want to make sure God's name is honored. We want to take the Lord's day and honor the Lord's day because even though others don't, we will honor this day and keep it holy. To be holy is to be set apart from common things to serve God's purpose. Are you holy? Are you set apart? Are you actually serving God's purpose or are we just simply trying to not be bad like the rest of the world? It's a big difference between trying to not be bad versus honoring God by serving his purpose, by loving others, by, by serving others, by, by being selfless, by being the best we can be and honoring God when we're at work. You know, I, I think of that, you know, that, that call to uh, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord as though you're working for uh, the Lord and not for men. We, that we do everything we do, we do it for Christ. And it should be obvious that we're different. There is a distinction between the holy and the profane. Do you make God's name holy? We must do that. We must figure this out. You've got to know this. You've got to understand this, that it's not about just going through life trying to not sin. It's about being holy so you can serve God's purpose. I encourage you today, consider this. As we gather around the table, consider this. If anybody needs to give your life to Christ, and we're going to discuss a little bit more 
about being sanctified in Christ, being made holy in Christ, you got to turn to him. You can't do it on your own. You need him. And as we gather around this table every week, we remember that. We need Christ, his help to make us holy. If anybody needs to be baptized into Christ, you contact me today. And now we will remember Christ in, the, in this Lord's Supper.